0: hello everyone welcome back to the one talk podcast you're here with your host ryan and today we have got a fantastic guest i'm absolutely honored to have you on brother we've got xavier davies xavier is the co-founder of feel to heal one of the best communities in queensland feel to heal entails breath work meditation emotional regulation a conscious community and overall a play a place to grow connect and feel Xavier is also a model printing his mark around Queensland and I also want to speak about my experience quickly about Field the Heal and just touch on how powerful that experience was for me too and why I wanted to get you on the podcast to share your message, get you on the podcast to share who you are, what you've been through, your journey and why you're here and just speak to you overall
1: brother. So welcome Xavier. Thank you for having me. Um, again, my name is Xavier Davies. And man, that was an amazing introduction. <laughs> did I get the heel to heel part, correct? Yeah, yeah man. We nailed this spot on. Yeah. It's just like, wow, holy shit, this man's done his research. I've been stalking <laughs> you. Yeah, I'm following you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you for that intro, man. It makes me feel pumped. <laughs> yeah, ready to like, keep going, man. Give yeah. to me. Give More.
0: us a- <laughs> <laughs> No, well, just following the, um, because me and Xavier just did a breath. Before this, too, do you want to get um, just explain the breath we did before this, too, and the purpose behind it? Because, yeah, I, I was telling you before the podcast, I went from a shift of being conflicted with being present and the past, the past is in just today, like the things that happened today was conflicting with my present. But once I did that breath, I
1: become present and I feel amped up. So, would you like to touch on that breath we did quickly? Yeah, so the power of the breath is amazing. I mean, a lot of people overcomplicate meditation and mm becoming present you know they think all right i i can only meditate if there's no thoughts in my brain but that's not that's not the mm. that's not it so the i think the simplest way to see meditation is that what the buddha says he says that you can meditate as long as you have awareness of the breath so you know mm. if you if you're able to pay attention to your breath you know am I breathing through my nose am i breathing into my belly You know, am I breathing into my diaphragm? Like following your breath, that is as simple as meditation gets and as Mm. as simple as it needs to be. Yeah. And then you implement breath work with it. So it's like becoming like even more aware of it. It's like heightened awareness of um, your breath. Drops you into those deeper states of meditation mm. and presence and stillness and regulates your nervous system. Yeah. And yeah it's, yeah, it's a very powerful tool. And I'm a massive advocate for it mm. because of what it's brought me in my life and the shifts it's provided me. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, going on the back of
0: that, like, I think this is a good way to transition. Like, do you want to tell us a bit about your story and the adversity you've been through, the challenges you've been through? and I have come to where you're at now because I personally know your story on a probably more of a baseline level mm. and is inspiring. So I'd love to go on a deep dive on yourself, brother, and your journey.
1: Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm, I'll start from where I'm from. So I'm um, n- nationality, I'm Cook Island Tahitian on my dad's side. Mm. And on my mum's side, I'm English Spanish. Yeah. And I was born in New Zealand in a little town called Otangere. Which is inside of another town called Whangare. Mm. Um, and it was a very poverty struck town. Mm. Um, I moved to one of the most traumatic experiences I had in my life was my dad committed committing suicide when I was one, mm. and when that happened, um, three years had passed, and my mom realized, what am I doing with my life like there's nothing here for us, mm. you know we're not getting anywhere this in You know, she understood that we're a byproduct of our environment and our environment was just full of um, gangs and Mm. drug abuse and physical abuse, domestic abuse. Mm. And she's like, you know, I don't want my sons growing up in that. We deserve better. I deserve better. And so we moved to Australia when I was four. Mm and mom knew apps so okay i forgot that i have a brother (laughs) i forgot to mention i have a brother my brother's juan he's two years older than me uh i'm currently 22 and he is 24 Mm. Uh, when when we moved i was four years old and he was six years old Mm. and we moved to australia mom sold everything and we knew absolutely no one except for one guy that she i'm not too sure how she knew Mm. um And we moved in with him and for a while he was my stepdad Mm. and he was quite an abusive man physically and verbally and abusive towards me and Juwan as well. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a very pleasant environment and a pleasant start to Australia, Mm. but mum was like, man, we did not move to Australia for this shit to happen again. Yeah. So she, um, she found another man. Yeah and his name is warwick and to me he is he is my father like regardless of blood or anything he is my father and i love him with my whole heart yeah and he's been the biggest and most influential male role model that i've had in my life Mm. and yeah i'm so proud to call my dad Mm. Um, and i tell him every day that i love him yeah i make sure to call him dad yeah and make sure that he knows that he is my dad and yeah i love him i'm always giving him a hug <laughs> yeah
0: that's beautiful bro because like i know how, how much of a challenge that can be from my own personal experience and also of my experience through work because i work with the youth and um like just going from moving to a new country and then also um like a new father figure comes into your life like what was that transition like mindset wise of going into that and how accepting were you, and how did you get to a point where you could accept a new father figure in your life?
1: That's a great question, man. I actually don't recall too much about um, the transition to here to Australia, mm. and it's a bit of um, it's buried in my subconscious. Yeah, and the more the m- more work I'm doing, the more I'm uncovering it all. Mm. Um, so I definitely think it will come up eventually. but yeah. at this point in time, I, I'm not sure, but. Welcoming a new dad into my life was extremely challenging for me, especially after having a, a second, uh, having a stepfather prior to him. Mm. That was really abusive, and I was uh, uh, at the time I definitely hated him. Yeah. <laughs> As a kid, I definitely hated him, you know, because I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel hurt, I didn't feel safe. Yeah, and yeah, so I definitely hated my first stepdad. Um, I'm very at peace with him now and I love him and, yeah um I haven't spoke to him but that's besides the point I still love him mm. and yeah my dad coming my current dad coming into my life I was very negligent to him and I refused to call him my dad mm. and I refused to let him in I had so many walls built up and I was yeah. like yeah I would act up as soon as he was around mm. and I would um as a kid I was quite a bubbly um very heart centered kid. Yeah. You, you'll probably notice that now as I'm still yeah. very bubbly and heart centered. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then, but when he was around, it was the complete opposite. i flip and I'd yeah, just yeah. like, I'd be a little menace. Mm. And it wasn't until my little sister Ayla, Ayla Rose, come into our life and she started to understand words and started to speak herself mm. that mom was like, I think you, you boys should start calling warwick dad now and mm. i was like in my head i was like no fuck that man yeah. <laughs> fuck that and, you know it's still been like it probably been like a two years since he had come into our life and he had been fully present with us and showed up for us in every way possible man yeah like, loved us with his whole entire being mm. um but i just refused to let him in yeah <clears throat> but then i really sat with it and thought about it and i was like you know i love my little sister Ayla. Mm. and I would hate for her to see Warwick as an alien to us. Yeah. So I was like, you know, first it was really hard. I just called him dad. And yeah. I'm pretty certain I started, I was like, dad, yeah. like, A lot of resistance. I don't want to say this. Yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah, so much resistance there. Um, And then eventually it just becomes second nature. I was mm. like, yeah, this guy really is my dad, you know, like reflecting on it all, I was just like, he does everything for us Mm. he provides for us he he loves us he shows us his emotions yeah he openly loves us gives us hugs he tells us he loves us Mm. and
0: yeah that's a beautiful thing too because it was just that moment of acceptance (coughs) accepting this new being into your life and i guess just because it is a big transition like i know myself with my um other two are my mum and dad and um, they got divorced Like i never accepted any one of my mum's new partners into our life at that when i was at a younger age so when i did get to a point of acceptance too like i found a lot more beauty in life just peace within myself because the reason i'm telling this is because it also affected my personal life mm. so i guess i want to ask you now like how is this affecting
1: your personal life at the time at the time yeah it's mm. a great question i feel um, from a lot of my trauma in my childhood I had I'm not definite but I feel like it definitely had an impact on my ability to learn and do things mm. um, I had to get reading and writing lessons for I think two years mm. um, so I was very slow learning initially mm. almost like uh, almost like I had like dyslexia and Maybe like some some other learning um disabilities mm. i'm not i'm undiagnosed, but yeah that's just what my interpretation of it all was, mm. and so yeah, I had to get reading and writing lessons um, I had the reading and writing skills of like a probably like a five year old for yeah. about, up until I was about eight. Mm. Um, I remember actually doing an English assessment in grade one, and I was writing. A short story It had to be one page and Yeah I think our, our pages At the time had like Maybe 30 lines Or 25 lines in the yeah. On a page And I literally wrote it So I wrote Back to front Right So like As, it, as if it was a Japanese book yeah. So instead of left to right I wrote it right to left And I wrote Every word Back to front as well hmm. So like Say I'm writing From the right to the left I wrote the But instead of going T-H-E I wrote E-H-T yeah, and it was just like, yeah, so yeah. it was like it was very hard for me, yeah. Um, but it made sense to me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it made yeah. sense to me. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Did you ever find yourself, um, because I see this with my work, I'm, I'm past self as well. Did you ever find within yourself that you attach yourself to certain things, whether it's materialistic things, whether it's substances, whether it's people? Like, did you ever find yourself? Trying to attach yourself to something to fill a void, or
1: yeah, absolutely. So coming up into <clears throat> high school, I I had we had adopted um, my cousin, yeah, and his name was Valmain, and his older brother was Troy Vakapuro, and they both lived us lived with us, um, and Valmain was struggling to fit in in school. We all went to... Um, Joanne had graduated school and yeah. I was in grade 10, grade 11. Yeah. And Joan had just graduated the year prior. And um, yeah, Val was really struggling in school. He... The reason we had adopted him actually was because his father was quite abusive. Yeah. And one day Troy and I, because we were best friends in high school, we were hanging out after school. Doing our usual thing, getting a feed after school. And yeah, he got a phone call from his little brother Val, and he's like, "Bro, um, you need can you come, can you come get me?" And he was, he was crying on the phone; I could hear it, mm. like just like the slight muffle. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, of course, man. What's up? What's up?" And he's like, "Oh, dad's just throwing me head first off the balcony," mm. and you know they lived at a two-story building, and his dad's throwing him head first off the balcony. Yeah. <coughs> Troy's rushed off and gone and grabbed Val. Uh, offered to come, but Troy didn't want me to see him in that way. Mm. And it was a very vulnerable state. So I was like, yeah, I respect yeah. that. Um, you know, call me if you, if I can do anything. Call me if you need anything. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, Troy called me and he's like, man, can we, can we come, can Val and I come stay the night? I was like, of course, man. Of course. Mm. Didn't even ask mom. Yeah. Um, and then they they all started making their way over, and I went. Then I went and <laughs> talked to mom. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, mom, this is what's happened. thrown Val coming over." and She's like, "Yeah, of course, of course." And then they come and stayed over. And Val, you know, being a what was he? He was fourteen years old. Yeah, that was a lot for him. You know, mm. going through school, didn't know how to process that, and he was also getting bullied at school. So he didn't really feel like he fit in anyway. He didn't fit in at home. He didn't fit in at school, so he wanted to go back to the Cook Islands where his mum lived. Yeah. So we're like, yep, all right, we'll pay for your ticket, blah, 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 and we'll send you back to the Cook Islands. And he goes back to the Cook Islands, and his mum's abusive as well. Mm. He gets held held up a knife point from his own mum. Mm. And
0: that day that, that
1: happened, you know, he just felt like he didn't fit in again. Wherever he went, he's like, I don't fit in, I don't fit in. Well, this is my interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, And that day that that happened, he had called mum while she was at work Mm. and she's like, oh, hey Val, I'm busy at the moment, I'm at work. And so, you know, within the space of time from mum hanging up on him to her finishing work, he had killed himself. Mm. And so, yeah, that... um, that played a massive impact on my life and I searched for different ways to find happiness and that was where I got addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, I was popping MDMA every weekend. Any chance I could get it, I was, I was downing it. And Was
0: this still in the grade 10?
1: No, so this age? was, um, I went through a very depressed and suicidal ideation stage throughout high school. Um, you know, because it accumulated like from my dad's death to my brother's death, it, it just like you know compounded, and it was all this trauma that I hadn't faced. It was like just sitting there dormant, and I was suppressing and suppressing it. And so through high school, I was very, very depressed and suicidal. And coming out of high school, I got into the partying scene, and I still hadn't faced all that trauma or anything. I was still suppressing it. And that's when I started getting into clubbing and partying and the mates that I was hanging out with were doing MDMA. So I was like, yeah, of course I'll do it. Yeah. Like it seems so fun. You know, you're so happy. Fuck yeah. I want to be happy too. I'm never happy. Yeah. So, cause MDMA, what it does is it, um, attaches to your 5H2TA receptors, which is your serotonin receptors. It like mimics the molecule of serotonin. It's very, very similar. And it floods your brain with serotonin, which is your happy hormone. Mm. And so I was like, "Fuck, this is amazing! Like, I feel so good. I want yeah. to feel this good all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I?" Yeah. And sure enough, that's when the addiction started. Um, one pill turned into ten, and then I overdosed. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't learn my lesson from that. Yeah. And I kept going back to, and I overdosed the second time. And that second time was when it hit me. I was like, man. What am I doing? Mm. What am I doing with my life? Like this isn't getting me anywhere. I'm going nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. Looking,
0: looking on that too, like because I used to be in a similar scene. I know people that are still doing that scene, that lifestyle, and people look like they're having a good time, but they're actually hurt. They're in pain. There's something they're trying to mask, and I think that's an example of that. That you had so much pain that you're trying to run away from to a sense so you're trying to get into environments get into different mind states to try and alleviate some pain and then this kind of took to a place where it just spiralled into a place of overdosing
1: Mm. yeah absolutely definitely I mean I have nothing against um certain drugs like I have nothing against drugs at all actually Mm. it's not the drug that's the issue it's the pain behind the use yeah I agree it's like why are you doing it Mm. um MDMA is actually quite a powerful drug and it can be used for rehabilitation um, for people with PTSD because it switches off the amygdala, which is um, people with PTSD have... Their amygdala, amygdala is really yeah. active and they can't seem to switch it off, whereas MDMA helps you switch that off and because it's related to the heart chakra with the yeah. feeling happy, you feel so much love and so euphoric, yeah. you're able to um, face that trauma in controlled environments, yeah. if you have the right environment, I mean, yeah.
0: And don't like most, not most, but some psychedelics help with things like depression, like mushrooms mm. and mm. things like that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. V- very similar, again, with the attaching to the 5H2TA receptors. Yeah. Um, yeah, psilocybin, yeah. Um, LSD, ayahuasca, DMT, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, would you say, was MDMA the thing that you ended up abusing the most or was it just a mixture of nearly anything
1: yeah for me mdma alcohol and weed Mm -hmm. yep um actually so like so i'm 22 years old now and a big turning point for me was when i was 19 i went into an ayahuasca ceremony so i was 19 turning 20 it was the week it was three weeks before I turned 20, I went into an ayahuasca ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. And one of the things that I experienced, which I've shared with you before, Mm. um, is that I had these little fairies fly into my throat. I could see them. They flew into my throat and down into my heart and they stitched my heart back together. Mm. And like, yeah, it definitely healed my heart. Yeah, well. Allowed me to feel things that I had never felt before that I had suppressed. Another thing that I experienced was that I had all of my ancestors pop up all around me. And just one by one, I was going through my ancestors and talking to them about our ancestral trauma and their trauma and how I can heal it and what I need to do, what the next steps are for me to do to break the fucking pattern to be Mm. the change that my ancestors need. Yeah. Because, yeah.
0: In that moment when you're (laughs) with your ancestors, did it feel like overwhelming? Did it feel like what's happening? Or was it just more like I'm meant to be here?
1: Man, it, was, it, was, it wasn't overwhelming in a bad sense. It was overwhelming, overwhelmingly joyful, man. Joyful. Yeah, because I felt so connected and I felt so needed mm. and I felt like like I had no vision prior to it and after that I was like, all right, I know what I need to do now. Mm. You know, it sparked that fire in my belly again mm. and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm here for a reason yeah we gonna just keep moving forward one step in front of the other
0: because like when I was addicted to drugs too like I never thought of doing anything like ayahuasca I don't know why but it never came to my mind so what was it that attracted you to that did you know about the benefits of it or yes yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so I've always been quite spiritually inclined as a kid and you know a lot of the things that pop into my life I know when I need to dive a little bit deeper into it and when I was probably about 14 ayahuasca popped up on my YouTube <laughs> and I was just like looking into like aliens and all this type of shit and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> all like, the good stuff <laughs> all the fun stuff like, like that's the type of shit I was into man and I was you know I never really fit in with the crowd because I was just so <laughs> <laughs> like the shit I talk about people would be like on yeah, why are you <laughs> watching this? <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, L- yeah. just me, all right. Yeah. I'm woke, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then this ayahuasca thing popped up on YouTube, man, and I was, I was like, I do you even pronounce that. Like, yeah, I, I, who Alaska? Like, I- you know, yeah, man. I was yeah. looking, and I was like, man, this thing looks like some alien shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so I clicked it, and I was like, yeah, let's watch it. And it was yeah. just like this, probably like a 40 minute documentary on um ayahuasca and these Mm. people going into an ayahuasca ceremony the preparation leading up to it their experience during it and the after of it Mm. and i was like wow that was like i felt the energy shift by watching it man like you could Mm. really see the shift in their energy and they just look so much lighter and so Mm. much more in tune with themselves and their body and their innate intelligence their intuition yeah and I was like, yeah, I need to just keep looking into this. Mm. And so I did. I just kept looking deeper and deeper. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, it's illegal in Australia. That means I won't be able to do it in Australia. So I'll have to be a bit older so I can travel and go to places like the Amazon. Yeah. And do it. But, man, boy, was I wrong. Yeah. um, uh, when I was 19, oh, my mom took me to a Kundalini class. Oh, nice. And... The first, so we went to Kundalini, Kundalini two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. and she had been inviting me for quite some time to come to this class, and I was like, you know, snot-nosed teenager, nah, mum, right. don't need your shit, yeah. get away from me, <laughs> you know, heavy into gaming, that's another thing I was addicted to, was yeah. gaming. What would you play? Oh, bro, Fortnite and Call of Duty, anything with guns and killing, yeah. or oh, GTA as well, yeah. Um but yeah, I was very addicted to it, like sixteen hours a day, mm. and then I'd go to sleep. Yeah. sixteen hours a day, then I'd go to sleep. Yeah, bro, like yeah, it's a
0: deadly routine. Getting into gaming, um, yeah, we could go on the tangent on that soon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah, And then mom took me to this kundalini class, and the first one we went to was ran by a lady. Mm. Um, I believe her. Don't quote me on this, but I believe her name was Jolene. We'll just refer to her as Jolene. Yeah. And it was mainly, it was more of a feminine Kundalini. It was more ladies than men. Mm. It was probably one other man there and he was like probably 60 something. Yeah. So he was quite old. And she dropped us into, I believe, what's called Savasana. Mm. And it's like a meditation allowing you to sink into your body and become present before going into the Kundalini. Mm. It helps you go that little bit deeper. Yeah. And she So she guided us through a, sa- a Savasana meditation. And like, man, I was, I didn't realize it, but I was so fucking ready for it. Yeah. I dropped so deep that I astral projected. Mm. And as I astral projected, I ended up on this planet. Um, Still not sure what this planet is. Mm. And, I was walking through these cave systems with this being and this being was showing me that all these different tunnels represented um, different traumas that I had experienced and she was showing me how I needed to confront and heal these traumas Mm. and rewrite the story for them. And I didn't realize at the time, but this being actually was ayahuasca calling me. Oh, well. And then, so the next week when we went to a different Kundalini class, there was more of a masculine kundalini it was run by a name, a guy named John, mm. and the majority of the people there were men. Yeah, and within thirty seconds of walking in the his his house, we got talking, and he mentioned that he was doing a special diet for ayahuasca. and I was like, Yeah, special diet. What diet are you doing? And he's yeah. like, Oh, vegan alkaline. I was like, Vegan alkaline. What's your ceremony? Because I knew that. Um, it's recommended by shamans to go on a vegan alkaline diet at least a week beforehand going into an ayahuasca ceremony. And I was like, no way. Mm. Is, this, is this guy doing an ayahuasca ceremony? And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> and I was like, what? Can I come? Yeah. And and he's like, whoa. Uh, yeah, of course. Wait, wait, is your mom okay with it first? And I was yeah. like, mom. And she's like, mm, like... I don't think I can really say no here. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're already convinced. Oh, yeah. I was already there, man. Like, honestly, I was already there. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, all right. And so I went off to um, an walks the ceremony with this complete stranger. Yeah. Um, uh, lovely guy. He's an amazing guy. Um, very big mentor that's been in my life. Oh, awesome. So shout out to you, John. Um, and then, yeah, going. Went to do the ayahuasca ceremony. Very heart-opening and healing and,
0: yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone like myself for an example? I've always been interested in doing it because of my journey, Mm -hmm. but there's a confliction of, because I used to be a drug addict, and just separating the two, because I know for yourself, you used to be addicted as well. So Mm -hmm. what was it that's helped you separate mentally from I'm doing this for healing rather than Mm -hmm. I'm doing this just to get a high out of it.
1: Oh man, there's so many things. Yeah. Um coming from the understanding that it isn't a drug. Yeah. It's it's natural. It comes ayahuasca is a, a vine. It's a it's yeah, it's a vine. Mm. So, you know, it's plant medicine. It's literally here for for us, man. Mm. Um it's, you know, changing your perspective on what drugs are. Yeah. You know, in my perspective, drugs um uh man-made. Mm. And Plant medicine is here from Mother Earth, Mother Guile. Here for a reason. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. And yeah, just really switching your perspective on what drugs are and also um, doing research on other people's perspective on it. Like, you know, listening to someone maybe like um, Mark, Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. Um, people like that that talk about their experience. Mm. Um, because you know, it def- plant medicine isn't for everyone. You know? Yeah, not everyone will get a call for it, and that's completely okay. Yeah, you know, it's not the only healing modality, but yeah. it's uh, it's one of the most potent ones, and yeah. it's extremely effective and powerful. Mm. Um, I'm a massive advocate for it, but yeah, don't. As long as you don't feel forced or rush into it, and you do feel called to it, then man, mm. yeah, because you know, at the end of the day, your intuition will know that you'll feel called to it. And it won't give you a reason, but your ego um, will give you a hundred reasons as to why you, why you shouldn't. You know yeah. I mean? So it's more about that calling. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting
0: way to think about it because, yeah, it's just a lot more of making sure that you're comfortable to do it and then you're more open to do it. And then you're, I guess you'll know just from your own being that you're ready.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And understanding that intention is everything, yeah. man. So, you know, with drugs, do you set intentions? No, not when I did them. No, right. fuck no. Exactly. Yeah. So going into these plant medicine ceremonies, man, you you every time you um, consume the plant medicine, you have to have an intention. Yeah. And man, uh, yeah, was, if you have a pure loving intention, man, mm. you can't go wrong. Yeah. I mean. And there's so many people perceive that um, you can have a bad trip or this can happen and that can happen. I don't believe that there's such thing as a bad trip. I believe that you see and experience everything that you need to. Mm. Um, And it's just your interpretation of it. Um, But yeah. Yeah, that's so true
0: because I did like every drug basically besides heroin. And I never had a bad trip. I have some trips that are a bit too wiggy, but I never had one that was like a nightmare. I remember the first time I felt peace in my life and it was, I was about 13 years old. And I was smoking this stuff, I believe it's called like K2 spice. Mm. So it's like a synthetic weed. And um I used to smoke that and like it'd make it hallucinate and go into different dimensions just from like two bongs of it, one bong of it. I remember one time I had a few drinks um and I smoked it out of a pipe. I had like a stacked pipe because I thought I'd try and impress the boys, like, yeah, I'm smoking a big pipe. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I fucking shat the bed. Not literally, but I <laughs> I smoked in and I just like I remember everything just dazed out. I stumbled to this random bedroom because I don't even know I was at someone's house. Stumbled to the bedroom. I remember I went to lay down in the bed and I was like, I felt like I was going to like project and vomit. Wow. So what I did was I leaned my head over the board of the bed like to the side. Mm. And as soon as I put my head to the side of the bed like that, I just snapped out of reality and my head turned into like a big boulder rock. Wow. And then the end of the bed was a waterfall dropping down to a rainforest. <laughs> and I remember just being in there. It felt like I was... But my mate said it was only about five minutes. But for like I was in there for hours. Like I don't know why I was a big boulder rock and a rainforest, but I felt that. And I felt at peace. And I think there is a lot of beauty. And if you do, I don't recommend doing K2 Spice. Not a chance. It's <laughs> deadly. It's one of the most deadliest things out there. But I'm just tying it into the ayahuasca and the experience that you can have of peace. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, man. And do you think this was like one of the first times you were consciously – going with the intention of healing in your life like overall
1: yes I, yeah i definitely believe so absolutely yep 100 mm. percent. i mean i had tried um what is it like where you go and speak to someone counseling, counseling I had, yeah. i've tried counseling and it, was, it wasn't for me yeah um and i wasn't open to it as well mm. so it definitely didn't work yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i was open to this mm. so it yeah, it had massive impact on my life.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was the same. Like, I went to see a psychologist and I just couldn't speak. I just felt like I wasn't being heard. So I felt like I had to take the journey on within myself. But once I did that, I found that a lot. And then once I started opening up more after that, then that part of the process became easier.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, you'll find that um, it's, like, it's much like for me with my dad at the time, you know, how I was very closed off and I wasn't open to it. Mm. I wasn't open to that love, to that help. Yeah. So I didn't receive that love and that help. But I was open to receiving that love and that help from ayahuasca. Yeah. So I got that and I got I got extra, you know? Yeah. Like I got that and then some. Mm.
0: Come up to your story, like at age 19 right now, yep. <clears throat> up to the age of 19, that just shows like how much strength, resilience that you have within you. Mm. Like for the grief of two lost ones, the suicide ideation, the depression, the anxiety, the drug addiction, the overdosing, all up until the age of 19 mm. and showing up today at 22.
1: Yes, 22.
0: I'm mind blown in a good <laughs> sense because it shows that anyone can get to a better place in life. It just takes a bit of strength. It takes some resilience. It takes – bit of belief and just you know trying to get to the next day because i found that within myself which just make it through today and i just kept saying that in my mind for as long as i could until i got to a point where that thought never came into my head and anyone listening to this with suicide ideation just want to say just don't give up mm-hmm. keep going i know that can sound like such a generic saying now because mm-hmm. the whole are oh, you okay movement but literally don't give up <laughs> just make it to tomorrow just keep saying that to yourself every day and make it to tomorrow and then within that time implement things that will fill your cup um like even for myself one of the things that helped which is going to the gym it was volunteering at the soccer club just fit little things add like a little bit of purpose into my life like serving something bigger than myself I found helped bring that spark back into myself um what was it for you as well like do you have anything similar to that
1: yeah, man. what do you so have anything many, to say? So many things. I mean, if you're someone, some of the most, I'll, I'll list a couple of things that have been the most impactful tools and experiences that I've had in my life that have provided me the biggest shifts. So one was ayahuasca. Actually, in fact, it was all psychedelics. So I've done um, many mushroom trips. I've done LSD. I've done ayahuasca. And I have done MDMA since being addicted to it, but I have that control over it now and it's, I have that intention behind it. So I don't go to it for the wrong reasons. Um, but you know, if you are doing these things, do it in a controlled environment, set your intentions beforehand, um, and have someone with you that is experienced so they can guide you and support you through that experience. Um, if, if you don't have someone, feel free to reach out to me because, honestly, I'm, I'll, I'll gladly help someone through that experience. Mm. Um, it's a passion of mine to be in service to others and provide people with the experiences that have helped me. Yeah. And another thing that um, has helped me is breathwork, implementing it day-to-day or attend. If you're a bit scared and unsure as to how to do breathwork, attend a, a full-day experience or just a Sunday stillness with Cool To Be Conscious, mm. you yeah. know, Something small, just where you have people with experience again that can guide you through that mm. and give you the awareness that you need to. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like events like the Ripple Effect, mm. where we do a full deep dive into breathwork, and yeah. it's not just a 15 minute breathwork; it's a, a full hour of breathwork. Yeah. Breath work. Deep. Mm. Yeah. So I actually attended the Ripple Effect 1.0 back in d- d- December last year, so 2021. Mm. Um. And for those of you who are interested, there's Ripple Effect 3.0 coming up on the Gold Coast next Saturday. Yeah. Um, And I will be facilitating that. Again, that was one of the things that gave me a massive breakthrough and allowed me to heal from all of my trauma. And I want to be able to give that value back to people because one of my biggest values is impact. Mm. So health impact and... um relationships so you know mm. it's very important to me to be able to give people the things that i've experienced that have helped me tremendously and another thing that's helped me a lot is personal development events mm. Going to things like dream out loud mm. um, tony robin events you know um, listening to podcasts yeah oh man like i feel like if you're not learning if you're not learning and if you're not growing you're dying yeah and that's why people get depressed you know because you're just so stagnant you're so still and i mean breaking down the terminology of depressed yeah. it's like deep rest you know mm. depressed you're yeah. you need a deep rest from this avatar this facade that you've built mm. you're not happy with who you are and where you are in life so yeah
0: yeah that's so true cuz when i was depressed i wouldn't exercise i would just watch bullshit reality tv shows i would just eat shit constantly And I was sitting there thinking I need to change, but I didn't realize it was because of everything I'm consuming, whether it's from what I see, what I eat, what I tell myself. But once I made that shift, I saw a big transition from depression. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. A big thing that's helped me is a consumer's diet. Um, There's a lot of things that go into a consumer's diet because it focuses on all aspects of life pretty much, but... The one thing that I will talk about is con- the food you're consuming. You know, mm. Do not consume seed oils. If yeah. you're not sure what a seed oil is, Google um, the list of seed oils. Do not consume any food that has them because they are so bad for your gut health. Mm. Do, uh, you know, minimize um, sugar intake. Yeah. Um, some people can't avoid it. I know that's understandable, but definitely minimize sugar intake. Um just really any processed food because yeah. understanding that your gut your gut health is so vital to your mental health because 90, not, 94 plus percent of your serotonin production is in your gut health and your gut is your second brain, right? Yeah. Um, because it has so many nerve endings. It has, it's where the majority of your nerve endings is located. Yeah. So that's why, you know, if your mental health is a reflection of your gut health. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling happy, uh, what have I ate today? Yeah. What have I I ate in the past week?
0: Yeah, because the axis of our our stomach has a um, nervous system called the energetic nervous system. And that um, axis runs from our stomach lining all the way to our brain too. So that's what sends the signals and sends all those things to our brain, which then say, look, we're going to feel this way. We're going to feel lethargic. We're going to feel anxious. We're going to feel such and such, like oversumption of caffeine and sugars and, trigger a lot. Because so I remember the last time, or one of the last times I spoke to you, I think it was the last time. Anyway, I told you, like, I haven't eaten cereal in months. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I haven't eaten cereal.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: yes. I was like, I haven't eaten cereal. It was probably more than months. It was probably years. Like, because like, I, I don't have sugar and coffee. I don't have sugar in my drinks. I don't drink sugary drinks. I don't have anything. And I had no cereal in years. And I had some Milo cereal in the cupboard. And I was just like, oh, i'm hungry it's easy it's quick i've no cereal in years <laughs> i'll give it a go had some Milo cereal and fuck me was that the bad decision that day like my stomach like i wasn't full but my stomach bloated like I yes. bloated out i um i felt like i started retaining a lot of water as well and i felt so lethargic and tired mm. but yeah just to touch on what you're saying like that was my experience that time and i've learned like don't go back to the Marlowe cereal or just cereals in general.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bro, absolutely, man. That's a big, big turning point. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, because a lot of people um, say that, you know, bloating is normal and it is normal, you know. It's your body's defense mechanism to, uh, to heal and inflame to stop all of this shit um, going into your body. It's telling you, you know, what you just ate is not good for me. It's not working for me you know getting bloated all the time is not normal it is not normal no especially like self-inflicted bloating (laughs) like
0: me like with um milk like i don't even think i'm even lactose intolerant because i can eat cheese and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but now that i have milk in my coffee so i just have long blacks or ice long blacks Mm -hmm. and that's it because i found that i would have like a coffee with milk like a cappuccino or something that would just bloat me
1: within itself like all that Mm -hmm. dairy yeah man well you'll you'll find that All of the milk in Australia is so processed Mm. and full of shit. You don't get milk in its raw natural form. Yeah. And I believe that that's okay. It's a lot better for us to consume. But milk that we get is not okay, man. Yeah, And same as with all of the the nut milks that we get. It's full of Mm. fucking sugars. It's full of seed oils. It's full of bullshit, bro.
0: I actually saw that about the almond milk. (laughs) I was reading what was in it. I was like, holy crap. I thought it was just like blended almonds and water. Right. You're right? No. It's that's like, what you'd think? Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, it's injected with a lot of stuff.
1: And you you look at it, man, and it says five star health rating. Yeah. Like the the star health rating in Australia's food industry is bullshit. Mm. Do not fucking follow it. Yeah. Um, that's a, a massive rabbit hole to dive down, <laughs> yeah. which I won't go into. Um, but yeah, the whole food health rating. Like, I mean, you look at eggs, bro. I think, yeah. I think it's eggs or maybe butter, raw butter. Um, one of them has, a, one of the two has a one-star health rating. Mm. It's just like, bro, what the heck? Yeah. Like how does something like cereal, like Wheat Picks or something, have a four-star health rating mm. and then this natural animal product with no additives, no preservatives, mm. none of this fucking um, scientifically made bullshit yeah. have a one-star health rating
0: exactly i've never seen like a can of tuna or anything that says um overconsumption can lead leads like mercury poisoning like you never see any of that labeled on tuna cans and so many people eat like i've in the past i used to eat so much tuna not realizing that i can give myself like the mercury poisoning or lead poisoning one they have like heavy metals in your body and stuff like that yeah, yeah and that can lead to a, yeah, another rabbit hole of things you can feel but mm. Yeah, it's really good just to be conscious and aware of what you're actually putting in your body. Because the day I did that, like I just feel so much better. Like I'm less bloated, I'm more energetic, which is good. I'm drinking less caffeine because I'm putting less processed shit into my body. Because yeah. before I was like, okay, I need to drink caffeine. This smash caffeine. I got to a point where I was having like ten coffees a day. Yeah. I got that bad just because I was trying to keep my body going. But once I started weaning all that stuff out, I have like one coffee a day now, mm, just, just awesome, for man. pleasure.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love the taste of coffee. Bro. So, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, coffee I do try to be careful with. Cause again, you know, you're draining, you're draining your adrenal glands mm-hmm. and you're, you're actually stripping your body of a lot of essential minerals. Cause it yeah. strips your body of like things like manganese mm-hmm. um, and a whole heap of other minerals and vitamins. Yeah. But you know, that's again, that's another rabbit yeah. hole bit. Um, so yeah, just listen to your body really, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, You'll be able to see what works for you by how how you feel.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly, and that's an important thing too. I'll say one last thing about food. I never knew I was allergic to bananas. <laughs> I, I, I ate bananas for so long, and like it always made my throat get real warm and itchy. Wow! And like for some reason, I don't know because I've ne- I never knew what allergic reactions to anything felt like. Like oh maybe this is just a banana. Feels like it makes your throat itchy and hot and sweaty and, and inflamed. So like I remember I was eating the banana one day. I forgot who I was eating it with. I was eating it with a friend or something. I'm eating the banana and I was like, isn't it weird? <laughs> I was like, isn't it weird? Bro. Isn't it weird how bananas make your throat warm and itchy? I remember he
1: turned around to me. and He's like, what? <laughs> Bro, that sounds so sauce as well. <laughs> eating a banana. <laughs> oh my god!
0: And, and he's just like, what are you on about? I was <laughs> like, like bananas, like it makes your throat warm and itchy. He's like, that's not that doesn't happen. He's like, you have an allergic reaction. I was like, oh shit! So then I ended up stopping bananas. And I found out the more if I kept eating bananas, I would have had a real bad reaction because you're building up that within your system every time you eat a banana. I was like, oh, lucky I had that conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. So man. listen to your body. There's a, there's a reason yeah. why you spoke about, out about it to that person. Exactly right. Bro, that is crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um, transition back to your story. So at 19, you had this ayahuasca experience. What was the movements going forward? Was it like, I want to give this same feeling to other people or was it more so like, I need to continue this journey.
1: Both. Yeah. Both. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, I mean, I dove, after that experience, I dove deep into, like, um, more yoga, kundalini mm. yoga. I became a regular. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe mum is right. Yeah. Maybe I should listen to mum every yeah. now and then. Um, started going to kundalini yoga and started building, because um, men that grow up without a father, um, without a male role model, mm. it's statistically proven that they have, Um, 70 percent plus less confidence than a male that grows up with a father that's true so Mm. that that was me throughout all of my um, childhood teenagehood and much into my adulthood Mm. i had no self-love no confidence no trust in myself and my ability i didn't believe in me Mm. um and yeah, so I was like, I need to start building this love with myself because yeah. you know, I am worthy just as you are worthy and just as the listeners listening to this are worthy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just started implementing modalities that helped me um, move back into my body, become more present with myself, become more present with my emotions.
0: And what were those things that helped you get back into that?
1: Um, again, kundalini yoga, yoga, any form of yoga, Meditation, uh, breath work, working out, mm. eating clean. Yeah. Um personal development events. Mm. Yeah, like this this year has probably been um my most um what's the terminology? Probably been I'll just say it's been my biggest year this year. Yeah. You know, I've done I've excelled the most this year because I've dove even, even deeper into mm. Doing the work, you know, I've invested into courses, I've got a mentor, Mm. um, went to personal development events and really rewired um, my beliefs, my values and my stories. Because, you know, you can always say, um, oh, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am for Mm. if it wasn't for those experiences. But, you know, even though you're saying that, you haven't actually looked at at the story from a new perspective and change your perspective of that story and heal that story yeah um, so yeah I mean if you'd like I'll actually I'd love to I've got an exercise here that I'd love to run you through yeah on, for sure Um, how one tool that you can do to rewire your stories yeah, yeah. let's do it um, awesome awesome bro so yeah what's how do we do this what do I have to do okay so I just invite you to close down your eyes <laughs> Come aware of your breath. Taking in three slow, long, deep um, inhales into your nose, and through your nose, and into your belly. You're really becoming present with your body and your breath. And I'm just gonna ask you a couple of questions, and without overthinking it, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. What's what's a goal that you have at the moment? One goal. Mm. Biggest podcast in Australia. Awesome. I love that bro. That's amazing. You're definitely capable of doing that. And what's been in the what's been the story in the past that stopped you? Um not good enough. Okay. Awesome. And where do you feel this in your body? Stomach. And what colour is it? Red. Mm, okay. And what's kept you from changing this story in the past? Belief. Belief, okay. So, lack of self-love? Lack of belief in yourself? Mm. mm okay. I can feel that, bro. And why, why must this story change now? To step into my potential, mm, because you're worthy of it, aren't you? Hundred percent, mm. and it aligns with your values, doesn't it? Hundred percent. Mm. When was the story created? As early as I can remember. And what was what was the experience that you had? Like was neglect. It, neglect. Okay, was it from a family member? Was it from a friend? Family. Mm. Could you talk a little bit about what that experience was? Um, There was a lot of
0: family dealing with their own problems, arguing against each other, so I never felt seen because Mm. for some reason I saw argument as a way way for attention. I always saw my parents arguing, so I felt neglect from that. Mm.
1: Yeah, so your parents were arguing and you didn't feel seen or heard. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely see why you didn't feel worthy. Mm. and how that's showing up in your life now all right and now let's let's rewire that that event and that experience that you had to something more positive and empowering Mm. now looking back into that experience from the man that you are now what could that experience have meant a lesson a lesson okay and do you think that this lesson could have meant that it's going to make you stronger? Mm. Mm. Stronger, you feel, more resilient. Yeah. Do you feel like it's modeled you in some way? Oh, 100%. Mm. Do you feel like now you're able to have a lot more love and trust in yourself? Yes. Moving forward because you you love that that happened to you. You're grateful for that and definitely you're at peace with it. Do you feel like now that you can step into your power and
0: have the biggest and the best
1: podcast in the world? Fucking no. Do you have the biggest and the best podcast in the world right Mm. now? Fucking no yeah you do <laughs> that's it brother you're a legend let's go baby <laughs> that's awesome
0: we're gonna be number one after this
1: episode yeah, Fuck yeah. That's just something as simple as that man there's yeah. so many things that you can do and there's longer versions of that mm. i just put it into a simple more short version yeah just to give the listeners an idea of how you can rewrite your story and alchemize what you have been through, mm. and
0: also that as well. Like you just did to get my perspective and my own from it. Like I actually felt that. Like I put myself in that situation. Like I didn't really remember. Like those answers I gave you. I don't think I really thought about mm. like feeling neglect from my parents arguing because I saw that as a way of attention. Because like this is all come to my brain now, but I'm gonna freestyle it. But when I was growing up, I used anger and lashing out as a way for attention. And I believe it rooted back to that because of neglect. Mm. And now looking back, like in those moments in my life when I was doing that, it was a way for attention. Yeah, absolutely. To so then feel love.
1: Yeah, it's mm. understandable, man. Yeah, it's yeah, powerful. It's, it's a big thing that you see in a lot of kids nowadays is that that's their way of getting attention because they aren't taught how to emotionally regulate and show their – and express their emotions. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's powerful. So thank you for yeah. allowing us to experience that, man. All good, brother. Yeah,
0: um, I always be open and honest, obviously, for the podcast, for yourself, for myself more so, because, mm. you know, I feel like the more honest you are, the more true to
1: yourself you are, the more you can heal. Yeah, man. It's like the saying, it's like, your word is your truth, your truth is your bond, your bond is your power. Mm. I think that's Curran Way's quote, Um, but yeah, it's a... Very
0: true, man. Yeah, that is. And that's why I want to touch back on what you said about personal development and the importance of it because personal devel- development has been a big shift in my life too, like investing in myself, like money, energy, time, all those types of things. Like it's cut so many learning curves in half. Network of people I've met are amazing. But I've just grown so much from personal development. Like do you see that within yourself?
1: Bro, 100%. You know, I was just talking about this the other day on my Instagram about how at the end of the day, we are our biggest asset and we are also our biggest liability. Mm. But we get to choose which one we can be. So, you know, choose wisely. If you invest in yourself, you're investing to improve your assets, you know. Um, And, yeah, yeah, man, like you're going to give yourself more tools, you're going to give yourself more knowledge, more experience. And, you know, there's three levels to um, learning or understanding. Um, The first level is knowing. The yes. second level is understanding, mm. and the third level is embodying. Yeah. And personal development events are massive for um, stepping into the embodiment of those mm. practices, those beliefs, those values. Yeah. Re- really rebuilding your identity and reframing your whole subconscious and everything that you've been through in life. Mm. Um, and again, you know, this, this, these things. Um, not all personal developments. Uh, I've only ever been to one personal development event. That's. Um, implemented plant medicine Mm. and that was very potent but um yeah not there's so many um personal development events that don't use plant medicine so if plant medicine isn't for you go to a personal development event like i mean the ripple effect Mm. in in itself is a personal development event 100% um but yeah if you are interested in personal development events i mean we could link some in the the description you know we could link dream out loud and stuff yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll link technician. everyone in, yes.
0: especially everyone that we've been to and mm-hmm. got a lot out of because, yeah, we've been to quite a few and the benefits that I've been and gotten out of them are epic as well. Like even um, like me and Stephen have a mastermind, but another mastermind that I went to before we created one in Brisbane was Dion's one on the sunny coast. Yeah. And, like, it's crazy to see the progression from – just stepping into that the first day. And I feel like for myself, I feel like I get the best out of a personal development event if I go without knowing anyone there Mm. and having that scarcity and having that unknown in that too. Because I feel like if I have someone that I know come with me, I feel like I'm going to gravitate towards them. It's going to take me away from the experience of myself. So if you listen to this and you're like, oh, I want to go to this event, but my friend doesn't want to go, great.
1: Great, Go. yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're really fucking breaking that comfort yeah. zone. And that's when the growth, growth happens, you know, outside yeah. of the comfort zone. Exactly right. 100%, bro, 100%. Mm.
0: Yeah, so do you feel like this is when Fields to Heal started to transition? Like, was it an idea for a long time before it came to a physical form? Mm. Or how did that all that
1: come about? Yeah, so I've always wanted to be in service for people and um, create a community. Mm. And Taylor was – so, okay – for the people that don't know um i have my i'm a founder of a company called feel to heal and it's my part my business partner taylor um and i are very like-minded yeah definitely and so we just got to talking about it and about you know what we want to do and you know it just come up with like feel to heal mm. it's birth from being like-minded you know yeah and just going back and forth with our ideas. Mm. and yeah
0: that's epic brother and like what's the vision what's the vision for feel to heal
1: yeah it's again like if you're interested in experiencing a personal development event feel to heal will be much like that Mm. you know it'll be very similar to things like the ripple effect and cool to be conscious and it's a community um where people come to Feel, yeah. Because you know, at the end of the day, in order to heal, we need to get better at feeling, mm. and that's why we have the name "feel to heal." Mm. And one of the um, more prominent tools that we use is breathwork. Yeah. And the reason why we implement breathwork is because, um, like I've said to you before, mm. is the way I see breathwork is that we have all of these emotions sitting at the bottom of our belly, and it's like a, a muddy pool, mm. but it's, 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 it's actually just stiff mud, right? Yeah. And these are the stored, suppressed emotions. And when we're doing the breath work, we're breathing into it and we're loosening that mud. We're mm. um, put it, pouring liquid onto that mud so it, uh, so it becomes loose and more muddy water. Yeah. And then it allows us to feel that suppressed emotions that we haven't expressed yet. Mm. Because, you know, what we suppress, we, aren't, we express in unhealthy ways
0: yeah it's good analogy it's like putting more water in the pancake mix yes yeah yes like just helping they get less thick and thick and thick and just become more fluid and flowing
1: 100% right yeah
0: i know i touched on this at the start of the podcast but a bit more in depth detail like i have been a participant of field of heal and having you and taylor together in the room facilitating is just it's a different level like i've gone to a lot of breath work, meditation events. And all. I am guessing you up. I'm not only saying it just because you're here. Like, it is one of the best experiences I've had in a sense of feeling safe. I appreciate it. Feeling that. seen, mm. feeling heard, even though I didn't speak. But you know how you can just feel <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, like I just, it was a, yeah, it was a really good experience.
1: Mm. Mm. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Oh, I'm glad there? that you got that out of it. Um, because yeah, that again, that means the world to me. Because of my values, is to give impact, yeah, and to be of service. So yeah, I'm glad all, that you felt safe and you felt seen and heard. Mm. And that's what we're about, you know, is giving people that safe space to land and mm. you know, come as you are and yeah. leave as you may, mm. and invite a new you, in, invite a new you. And yeah, if you don't want a new you, that's completely okay as well. You know, either either way you come is welcome. Yeah, come at peace with the
0: you now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And
1: so we will be starting classes in North Lakes at a yoga studio, which is my mum's yoga studio yeah. called The Zen Den. Yeah. Um, it's on Flinders Parade. If you're interested, um, we'll link the Field to Heal Instagram in the bio. And yeah, we'll be starting classes September the 4th, I believe. So it's the first... Saturday or Sunday of September. Yeah. Um. But yeah, again, we'll be posting more on Feel to Heal with the updates.
0: Yeah. That was my first time doing Yoga Nidra too. Yeah. And that was epic. It like, is, I've, I've told it? everyone about that since about the Yoga Nidra and my experience and how much, like, I love it now. Like, I go on um, YouTube now and just type in rather Yoga Nidra or Yoga NSDR and just get into that myself because
1: like <laughs> yeah. it's a way to,
0: like, it feels like you get, like, a deep sleep rest from it even within, like, a 30 minute period, like, it feels like you've had, like, a good chunk of a nap.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Statistically, it's been equated to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it drops you right into that theta state. Mm. Mm. I've got some um, questions I'd like to fire at you, bro. Yeah, awesome. Um, for those of you um, who are wondering, I'm completely unaware of these questions. Yeah. Uh, Ryan asked me if I wanted to know the questions at the start, and I was like, hmm, it doesn't seem too authentic, you know. would exactly. rather just speaking to it with an open and honest heart right here on the spot Mm. and i'm glad Um, you said that too because yeah come from an authentic space yeah absolutely you know i feel like a lot of people get caught up in the fact that they don't fit into society Mm. and you know i believe if you don't fit into society you're here to build a new society you're here to build a new community and you know your power is in your authenticity Your in your authenticity Mm. it's you're unique you know so be unique be you be unique yeah i love that
0: First one is what would you rate my looks out of ten?
1: <laughs> no, I'm
0: joking. Ooh, okay. Ooh, bro. Damn. These are all what about you me. Drink first, bro? <laughs> all these questions <laughs> just to big <bigging> me up.
1: <laughs>
0: so what's, what's your favorite thing about me? No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, so the first one is what is your favorite thing about connection with self-
1: great question so i believe you know all of us want to heal and all of us want to experience love Um, when we come into this world we are birthed from love the the only emotion that we experience from the moment we are born is love Mm. everything else is learned and taught to to us Mm. so i believe that you know having a connection with self is Having a connection with love. Mm. So, you know, coming back to self is coming back to love. And I have this saying, this quote that I made. And it's like, the act of healing is returning to self. Returning to self is returning to love. Love is the very thing from which we are born from. It is your home. Come mm. back. Well, so, yeah, Connecting to the self
0: is connecting to love. Mm. Love that analogy. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we didn't
0: prep these questions. I'm off the tongue like that. (laughs) But yeah, I'm dropping bars. Um, So what's your perspective on the importance of consciousness in the relationship?
1: Hmm. Interesting, good question. Well, again, I think um, awareness is everything, you know. Hmm. So awareness is consciousness and, you know, awareness comes in... Many forms communication, and a lot of people will tell you that communication is the key to a relationship, and I agree to some degree. Mm. Um, but I believe that communication and comprehension mm. are the keys to a relationship. Mm. So you can communicate all you like, but if the other person doesn't comprehend what you're saying, mm. then your communicating is pointless. Yeah, you know what I
0: mean. Uh, yeah, I remember you said. I remember saying. I remember we had this conversation a few months back i was like um speaking about my relationship and how it's so healthy because of communication mm-hmm. and you brought that to light to me that made me think like that's true because mm-hmm. my parents always communicated but they didn't end up together yeah like, there's different ways to communicate and it's also about how each person perceives the information you're saying in the communication too mm-hmm. so yeah that's a
1: really and good way yeah 100 percent. and like you know you can communicate something verbally but not show communicate it energetically so yeah. you know it's It's like, oh, I don't know how to comprehend this. I'm getting so many mixed signals. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Hmm.
0: Wicked, bro. Next one we've got, let's go with...
1: Oh, and again, sorry, to add to that as well is there's a saying by Carl Jung. He's amazing. If you don't know who Carl Jung is, uh, Jung being J-U-N-G, he's got some amazing books I highly recommend. Um, He has a saying, it's um, until the unconscious is made conscious... You'll live your whole life calling it fate. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of the things that I had suppressed showed up in a lot of unhealthy ways. And, you know, I would react to things rather than respond to things. And so, you know, all of this suppressed emotions was expressed in ways where I'd lash out in uh, um, anger mm. and frustration and all like hypersensitivity. Yeah. Things like
0: that. That's so true. Like I've had people say to me, like I get this quite a bit actually, and people say to me, I feel quite shit all the time. I feel down all the time, but I don't want to do the things that I know I need to do to make sure I don't feel this way long term. So like an example, I had someone say to me today actually was, I'm always in a reactive state. Mm. So I'm going to go sit down and watch TV and hopefully I feel better. Mm. And I said, avoiding it. avoiding it. Exactly. And that's exactly what it brought to us. I was like, it was avoidance. I was like, you need to go for a walk with no headphones mm-hmm. and just be with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And because I believe at the moment with social media, phones and all this stuff, I don't feel like enough people are alone with their thoughts. They're not present with their thoughts much. And I feel like we're so easily into distractions. Like an example i've been I've been a part of this two times in my life, like going to sleep and within ten minutes of not being able to sleep, straight back on the phone, like within ten minutes, and it's just like, what is the deep root of that? like what are we escaping the feeling of not being able to sleep? or are we escaping the feelings and thoughts that we're getting in those moments in time? So I feel like it's really important for people just to be with their thoughts and be the observer. Like if you start observing your thoughts, You start to get detached. You start to detach emotions from your thoughts, Mm. especially with negative thoughts too, because if you observe them like a movie and let them play out, they're not going to get to a point where they're not going to affect you as much anymore. It's just constantly putting that work and present.
1: That's powerful. Mm. Absolutely, bro. 100% like as humans, man, we become so addicted to our emotions, you know, Mm. running, as much as it causes us pain, we're addicted to that pain Mm. and that, you know, the depression, we're addicted to the depression, we're addicted to the anxiety and because it's comfortable, it's normal to us. It's like, yep, this is me. That's okay. Mm. And again, you know, it comes back to that saying is until you make the unconscious conscious, you'll live your whole life calling a fate. Mm. You know, things like anxiety and depression are only new to society. You know, they've only come present in the past what, 100 years, if that? Yeah. You know, depression and anxiety aren't normal. No. They're they're much like time. Like, they're a man-made construct. Like, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Uh, Next one is, I remember actually, importance of having a personal mission.
1: Mm. That's a big one, man. Because for me, like mission has given me so much power and so much strength and motivation in my life Mm.
0: it's given me so much passion in my
1: life and your mission can be very simple or it can be very complex you know it can be many things you can have like you know a small mission like all right today my mission is to make a couple of people smile Mm. you know it's to give Give. it could be to clean my house um and you can have like a big overall mission like all right in 10 years time I want to have my own business. I want to have multiple businesses where I'm impacting the world in positive ways. I'm raising the collective mm. consciousness. Um, I am, have my own personal brand, and I've impacted over a million people. Mm. You know, your mission can be something big. It can be something small. You know, it doesn't. You don't necessarily have to have a mission or what people refer to as a purpose. You know, your purpose mm. can simply be to just live, mm. to just be. You know, it doesn't have to be complex, and I think that also causes a lot of depression and anxiety. 100%. Overcomplicating it because you know we are humans, 100%. and we overcomplicate <laughs> yeah. everything.
0: All yeah. our thoughts—that's <laughs> the thing. Like personal mission or just mission in general, it's hard to stay in a depressed state when you're on a mission to go somewhere. And mm. one thing I really, one day, this is only about <clears throat> within the last six months, I really wanted to meditate on the word purpose. Because every time I heard the word purpose, it was like, my purpose is to do this job. My purpose is to be this athlete. My purpose is to do all this type of stuff. But that's all I saw about what purpose was. But I didn't realize at the time, which I then meditated to get the realization of my own perception of it, was purpose is the feeling of what your mission gives you. Mm -hmm. So rather like love, fulfillment, um, service of others, or whatever that may be, they just like the three things that... I have tied to my purpose. So no matter what mission I go on in life, my purpose is always filled. Mm. So like if I'm doing the podcast, I'm still serving my purpose because that's my mission. If I'm doing my work or youth mental health, my purpose is still getting filled because my mission is aligning with that. Yes. And because I feel like a lot of people can get to a point of, I was doing this job for so long and I don't feel like it's my purpose anymore. Mm. And you get lost. And it's like, no, that fulfillment that job gave you is still there. It's just you need to go into a new mission which fulfills you in that same way. Mm. And if you start living life with that more of a perspective on it, you're going to be find yourself less stuck in certain environments because you won't feel like you have to stay there because yeah. your mission can always change. It's just your purpose aligns with it no matter where you go.
1: Yeah, man, that's beautiful. I love that. That's a great, great. reframe. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Cheers, bro.
1: Something simple as well. Simple, yeah. Yep.
0: Like love, service of others. Like yeah. It's a big one. Um, and one more. What do you do in times of no motivation? How do you find a way to continue? Oh, this
1: is a great question. <laughs> Man, motivation is fucking overrated. Yeah. Motivation is overrated. Agreed. I have, what I do have is discipline. Yes. Um, I have a saying, another saying that I see a lot of people actually using at the moment is it's discipline is the highest form of self-love. Mm. Because if you have discipline it is again it's it's the highest form of devotion to self mm. you know you're devoted to, to do what you need to do at all times no matter what Yeah. You know, some small simple th- some small inconvenience pops up okay I've got discipline I'm still going to do it anyway mm. you know so yeah man i have i've built so much love for myself in the past um, yeah mm. two years because i've been so disciplined and dedicated to myself, to building myself, and showing up and doing the work every day, understanding that it compounds, you know, not trying to do a thousand things in one day, but to do one thing to get 1% better every day, and that compounds over time, you know, it's like rebuilding your identity. Like I talked to you about not long ago, is, you know, if you're someone that's wanting to, identify with the identity that you meditate you don't go straight into a 20 minute meditation mm. every day no that's rushing it you know you got to be disciplined with it and start small start simple do a 10 second meditation mm. that's right do a 10 second meditation that is that simple and then the next day do a 20 second meditation and then the next day do a 30 second meditation And then, you know, over time it compounds and gradually you're changing your identity to start identifying with someone who meditates.
0: Mm. That's so true because I think a lot of people, including myself at one point in time, fell into the trap of trying to sit there for 60 minutes Mm. with my eyes closed and Mm -hmm. trying to have this battle for 60 minutes of shutting me forwards down. I'm like, why do not I feel calm? I feel more anxious and angry now because I can't, (laughs) I can't meditate. I felt like this so long until I attended an event where I got guarded into how to do that. And that changed my whole perspective. And ever since then, like my life has changed from having someone there to guard me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing applies to, you know, if you're wanting to get into gym, man, you know, don't rush into it and do like a, an hour and a half workout. Mm. I mean, like me personally, I I do go and do an hour and a half plus workouts because I love it. And that's because I have changed my identity to be someone that does do that. Mm. But it's taken time, you know. I didn't start there. I started off small, you know, just at home doing a workout, doing yeah. 10 push-ups. And then the next day doing 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups. Mm. And then yeah. gradually adding on to that. And then eventually I could go to the gym for 30 minutes and then eventually I could go to the gym for two hours. Yeah. And I fucking love it and I'm passionate about it and I'm disciplined about it. I'm not motivated, I'm just disciplined and I'm passionate and have love for it because mm. I have love for myself and I have love for my my health.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, bro, because discipline is what breeds motivation. Mm. Like you said, you're not motivated to go to the gym, you're disciplined. But by the time you finish and look in the mirror, you're motivated. Mm. Like, and Fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%, yeah. bro. And another thing, I mean... Something that does motivate me though is because you know it can be a drag going to the gym, it can be a drag going to the med, doing the meditation or doing the breath work or cooking yourself that healthy meal rather than buying um, fast like food, yeah, cereal, something like yeah. that. You know, um, is like you know, I think about all right, how am I gonna feel afterwards? Because you know, I, every time I do a workout or something, I feel fucking good, man, yeah, fuck it. like you know, you get the endorphins pumping, you release the dopamine feel a bit of serotonin feel a bit of oxytocin self-love for yourself man yeah so you know I, th- I think about not what i'm feeling in the moment but what i'm gonna feel afterwards you know i think about the benefits f- yeah
0: and also that sense of pride you feel after it like i fucking did that because mm-hmm. that's why i say to people like if people ask me like how do i get motivated like you got to implement discipline because through discipline you'll get wins and so through wins you get motivation and through motivation you got to add discipline and there's cycles mm. so the more discipline you have the more wins you have and the more motivated you're going to feel
1: 100% bro mm.
0: 100% yeah like I've like just seeing you brother like from December I think that was the first time I met you was it Ripple Effect yes and seeing you stand up at the end of the breath meditation and speak in front of all those people like 100 people to where you're at now within what 9 months
1: 9 months yeah
0: brother what a growth (laughs) in a good sense like just to see you showing up for yourself every day putting in discipline Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're going to get to where you want to get to Mm. and seeing that within you bro is a big inspiration and also it can be a motivation factor for people watching externally because like if he if he can do this every single day and get here in nine months or within two years from the age of 19 or three years sorry that can be a big thing for people too even myself like as your friend like i see what you do and i get inspiration from it
1: too brother so
0: keep up the good work and stay disciplined stay hard oh bro i
1: fucking will man um my mission really fucking really really motivates me bro forgive me for lack of words but it motivates me it gets me fucking going bro like i get so hyped and Passionate about it, I mean, you can hear it in my voice, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking love it, man. I just mm. want to keep going, you know. I've lost I lost my father and my brother to suicide. Mm. And for me, that's 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 my fucking why. That's my drive. Mm. It fucking gets me out of bed, man. It's like, fuck, come on, I've got to do this. I've yeah. got to level up. I've got to fucking be the change that my family needs. Mm. I need to be the change that the world needs. I need to be me. Yeah. I need to be the change that I need. I need to be my own hero because at the end of the day, only I can save myself.
0: Which say like a sense of making it bigger than you
1: mm. in a way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it is than bigger you, than me.
0: Yeah. Cause it's going to serve you too mm-hmm. and serve the people around you and the generations coming after you. Yeah. That's I amazing, brother.
1: And I, I, I have had a lot of feedback recently from people saying that, uh, I inspire them and stuff. And I, that, that means the world to me cause it means that I'm making an impact. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love making an impact and I try to do it in more ways than one. Um, but again, you know, don't look up to me. Look at yeah, me. You know? exactly. I feel like a lot of people make the mistake of looking up to people, like especially famous people. You know, we put them up on a pedestal mm. and we idolize them, and like you know, they're God, they're God, yeah. they're untouchable, and you know, they get sp- special treatment and stuff. Nah, we're still human. Mm. We're still human. I'm 100%. still human. You know, I'd rather I want to have genuine conversations with people. You mm. know, like I, I want to know how you're doing. Yeah, you
0: know, exactly and stuff like that. And it's just like it's like to like. If he's doing it, I can do it. Yeah, like that. It's not yes. like he's doing it, how does he do it? Like, oh, what the fuck? Like, even Nipsey Hustle, there, I have him up there because like every time it seems like I can do it, I will do it. Because you know, he came from adversity, I've come from adversity, and obviously you just have that relation with people that you look at, but yeah, it's just more so of like, I can do this. Mm. I will do this.
1: Mm. Yeah, and another thing is like Tony Robbins says that we overestimate what we can do in one year mm. and underestimate what we can do in 5 years and again that just makes you th- i say that so it, um lessens the stress mm. of like you know the rush and the lack of presence yeah. in building the life that you want you know it takes time and that's okay fall in love with the process fall in love with the journey you know fall you know it's not about the the destination it's about the journey and then it's also about the about the people and the friends that you meet, the f- the, the love that you get to give and receive, connections. You know? It's about that, yeah. man. Yeah,
0: that is—it's so true. The journey, because like four years ago, this is where this journey started with me from becoming sober and battling uh, mental health and stuff like that. But within four years, like within that journey, the journey has been so good. It's been so beautiful, and the journey itself has actually become better than what I envisioned the end to look like. Mm. Because I just became in love with the journey, the people I met, the events that I went to and the things I started to do and then being like, this is uncomfortable, I can't do this and then doing it and then becoming somewhat of a master at it and then just building on top of that gradually and then when you reflect back and all that, it's like, holy shit, like the journey is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm, like back then, the vision where I wanted to get at, the journey itself has exceeded what the result was. Because the amount of self-love I got, acceptance, but also connections with other people and growth too. So it's so important to enjoy the journey.
1: Yeah, that's fucking epic, bro. I'm so proud of you. Yeah,
0: I'm proud of you, bro. I love you, man. I love you too, bro. (laughs) 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 Oh, man.
1: Is that concluded, bro? I think that was pretty fucking awesome.
0: That was awesome, bro. I'm glad we um, sat down and did this tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It means the world to me and... You're an amazing guy, and Mm. I love what you're doing. And, yeah, I love you.
0: I love you too, brother. Do you have any final words you'd like to put out to our listeners today?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely I do. Um, If you'd take anything away from this, um, it's something that I went through recently, uh, my dad's anniversary. So, you know, it's been twenty one year since my dad passed away and every anniversary that comes up has been quite challenging for me you know I feel like almost relapse into those patterns of depression and playing victim and yeah so what I've done this year was like all right how can I flip the switch on this how can I alchemize this because was coming from the perspective of you know um, I can't take this anymore I can't take it can't take, the key word being take. And I flipped the switch into like, all right, how can I give? Mm. And so what I did is I went out and I did a couple of acts of service, um, acts of kindness, and I gave back to people. I gave out a couple of compliments. I gave out some flowers to a lovely lady. Mm. And I gave out some gift cards to people that were struggling that had just been affected by the floods. And so, you know, if you're someone that's struggling with life with depression and anxiety and you feel like you can't take it anymore in life, give. Mm. So yeah, that's my message. Thank you for listening. Yeah. That's a good way to end. Give. Yeah. 100%. And it's much like Tony Robbins says, you know, he says the key to life is giving. Yeah. I deeply resonate with that. Because,
0: yeah, just quickly touch on that, like giving was one of the things that got me out of depression. Probably one of the main things, like, when I saw the coaching football or soccer, if you will, I saw the coaching a team of senior men. I was like, I can't do this. Like, tell senior men what to do in football. But I did it. I gave others, um, like, like my passion. And that just, yeah, I filled my cup up so much and it helped me transition out of that depression that opened my eyes to a lot more of things that are achievable out there just by giving. Mm. Mm. It's so powerful. And want to speak about um, before we wrap up where people can find you if you have any events coming is, up um, how people can get linked in with you in taylor or feel to heal mm.
1: yeah so my instagram is at i m dot x uh, a v i e r i'm dot xavier and our my business page is feel to heal so f e e l dot t-o-h-e-a-l and then my business partner name uh, instagram is tay, tay dot b-o-t-h-a i believe hmm. um forgive me if i'm wrong taylor <laughs> 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 um yeah
0: wicked bro and um i'll link everything in on the bio as well just so no one has any issues of uh finding because you have a website too so yes. I'll, I'll link that into so I will link the website too, and um, yeah, make sure you stay up to date with what Xavier's doing, what Phil the Heels doing. Because I'm a big I'm a big advocate on what you guys are doing um, on the friendship level, but also as a participant too, mm. and someone who's aware of the space on the business level too, and knowing the actual value and the impact you guys bring is up there with the best. So make sure you check it out um give the poddy a like and subscribe and besides that i love you and leave yous all yeah (laughs) Have have a good day big love